Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 164. Not being able to use my creativity really started to make me feel like unwatered grass. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. This is the week. In fact, right now. It's live right now. My book is now available for all of you, and I am so excited. Maker to Master. Find and fix what's not working in your small business. To call it a passion project is probably an understatement. I've been thinking about this book for years, and finally I decided this was the time and I bumped it to the top of the priority list. It's been a labor of love, frustration, hard work, but excitement, reward, and exhilaration. Perhaps you listened to last week's show when I read a couple of excerpts from the book. Now you can fill in the gaps and read or listen to the book in its entirety. And if you're listening to the podcast this week that it's actually going live, the book may still be available for free. Just jump over to giftbizunwrapped.com forward slash Sue's book, and that will bring you over to the direct Amazon link. I do hope you check it out. But for now... We have a show to get to. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Brie Lobato of Movement. Brie is a visual storyteller for Movement, a direct consumer accessory brand that has disrupted the watch industry. She is passionate about helping brands shape their aesthetic and use photos and video to showcase their product creatively. In her real life, Brie enjoys art, yoga, and time with dogs that aren't hers. Hi, everyone. (laughs) Now, Brie, is that really true? I think you secretly want to have your own dog. Oh, 100%. I already uh, decided that I'm going to name him Manchego, my favorite cheese. Oh, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) And when in the future is this going to be happening? Probably as soon as I settle down a little bit. I spend a lot of time at work and traveling as much as possible. So when I am able to spend more time at home and cuddle with him. (laughs) Well, maybe just the idea of a dog in your future is enough for now. You know it's going to be happening. That's enough. That suffices for now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So I start out in a little bit of a crazy way, Brie, and it's because all of our listeners are creators. So I'd like to have you describe yourself as if you were a motivational candle. So if you could think of a color that really calls your name and a motto or some type of a quote that really resonates with you, what would your motivational candle look like? So this is a great question, Sue. I think my candle would have to be burgundy because it gets along with all the other colors. (laughs) Kind of like dogs, right? Yes, burgundy (laughs) looks great with everything. So (laughs) I know from experience, it's my favorite color. 
And I say that because we all can't be good at everything, unfortunately. So finding the right people to work with that kind of fill your gaps or specialize in things that you need not only saves you time to focus on your gifts, but it allows you to find success with other people. And I think that's more fun, in my opinion. I like the part where you say find success with other people, because I think so many people, especially if they're different than us, give us a different perspective that we can use and move forward. It's not just more of the same. Right. I've just found a lot of power in collaborating with other creative people, and I would speak to that all day. Oh, we are going to talk about collaboration (laughs) for sure. All right. And do you have a quote for your candle? Yes, I do. It's true that you can succeed best and quickest by helping others to succeed. Napoleon Hill. Love it. (laughs) Totally buy into that for sure. (laughs) So Gift Biz listeners, I really wanted to have Brie on the show because her ability to pick out and to produce images and photography, especially for social media, but also for promotional purposes of all sorts, is stellar. We're going to talk through a lot of that. But before we do that, I have a question for you, Brie. Have you always love photography and visual arts or how did that come about in your life? Yeah, I have always had a passion for art. My mom put me in art class when I was only, I think, seven years old. And after trying my hand in tap and ballet, she couldn't really figure out what I really liked to do. (laughs) I remember protesting in ballet class one day by just sitting in the middle of the floor because I didn't want to participate. And my mom was like, Brie, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to (laughs) sit. So she put me in art class and I ended up really enjoying it and really thriving and becoming very advanced for my age. (laughs) I have these really funny pastel portraits of animals somewhere in my garage. (laughs) So I have always had a knack for art, drawing, painting. I've tried to carry it throughout my life, but unfortunately I didn't study it in college because My dad, just being from the baby boomer generation, didn't feel like I could find much monetary success through art. And so I didn't study it, but I did continue to take classes. And my first job didn't allow me to be creative in any way. I worked for a solar power company after studying environmental sciences. And not being able to use my creativity really started to make me feel like unwatered grass. I didn't have an outlet for just visual art, and it really started to take a toll on my well-being as a person. And it wasn't until I started working with movement and started seeing the role that photography and video started playing in our marketing that I decided I wanted to be a part of that. And being part of a startup and being so early in the company allowed me to kind of shape the career I wanted to have here. And so as soon as I started dabbling and working with photographers here, it's only grown into what I am today. Now I'm our content strategist and I work with photographers and videographers all over the world. And I'm happy to say I finally found what I'm passionate about. And that's working with other creators and making beautiful things happen. I hear that story so often that people go and they get educated in one thing and they're just not fulfilled, just not doing it for them, right? Right. But you're lucky because you're so young to find that out. I mean, I find that with a lot of people who have been in the corporate world for years and years and years and finally go back to what just naturally they love. Like that little girl in you when you were in art school, you know, you felt home because it was good for you. It was what you loved. Totally. I think you just have to continue following your passions and following the signs. And if you're not happy somewhere, then move. 
And the great thing with you, too, is you were able to form your career because you were with a startup. Yeah, I'm very fortunate. And it's also obviously something that they need, too, right? Right. Let's talk about this a little bit in terms of how movement and you specifically search out and start creating the beautiful images and the synergy of the whole brand that we're seeing online. I can actually go as far back as 2013 when the company had just started. We started out as a direct-to-consumer business that was started by two college dropouts, no money. All of the money they did raise from their Indiegogo campaign went straight back into the products. And so that left very little for any sort of marketing tactic. And so what they did is they started this Join the Movement campaign where all they did was ask everybody that had bought a watch to enter the hashtag Join the Movement and post a picture of them with their watch somehow. And by doing that, they entered to win $500 in store credit to our website. And so that incentivized our consumers to create content for us, user-generated content, that's called, or UGC, I'll call it. And that influx of UGC is what started our whole Instagram. And so we started seeing pictures submitted by kids and fans all over the world of them holding out their wrist in beautiful landscapes or on their hike or in some notable place from their country or whatever. And that's where all of our content came from in the very beginning. That lasted us for the first year and a half until I started the content coordinator position. Rather than receive content passively, they wanted me to go out and use Instagram as a tool to find photographers that maybe had very little followers, 10,000, 4,000, even 400 would be fine if they took good pictures, send them free product and see if they would send us pictures in return. And so that was the very beginning of the content coordinator position and what I did for a year and a half before we brought on another content coordinator and she does the same thing. And so basically we go out, we find photographers via Instagram, hashtags, like accounts. There's a multitude of ways we find these accounts and just hit them up, send them a DM, see if they're interested in working with us. In a lot of cases they are. And it's fun because a lot of these photographers that have small followings, if we repost an image of theirs on our account that now has a big following, we're helping them grow as well. And so everybody's winning. Everybody's having a good time. They're doing what they love. We're importing great content. And so that lasted for a while. And then now we've become even more hands-on with our content strategy. And so now I'm going as far as sending out creative briefs and all kinds of inspiration that helps all of our content be cohesive across channels, even though it's coming from multiple photographers. And so now what you see is our website looks the same as our Instagram, which looks the same as our email campaigns, which looks the same as our blog. And it's all turned into this content generating machine. Having so much content on hand allows us to really pick and choose the best images for the best opportunity for the best channel that they belong in. Perfect. Oh my gosh, that's a great lowdown. I'm ready to come and work for you. <laughs> Let me take you back a minute. When you were doing the hashtag challenge, the Join the Movement challenge, then you were selecting pictures that you liked that you were then going to use. Right. You were just following the hashtag, choosing whichever pictures made sense, because I'm sure the quality of all of them weren't necessarily something you wanted to represent. So you, you only picked certain ones, right? 
Right. Obviously, you're going to receive a lot of content that isn't that great at first. And to be honest, our Instagram didn't look that great at first. <laughs> so is the beginning of anything, really. And so our content has gotten better over time with providing more direction and with actually paying people to take pictures rather than passively just using whatever comes to us. There's a lot of positive stuff that comes from paying people for photos versus just product trade, but product trade can get you a long way or just simply incentivizing people to take pictures of their product once they receive it that have already purchased from you. Right. And I want to stop you here real quick because I think the strategy back then when the company was smaller was still visibility. Right. Now you're talking about branding and image, which is so important. And gift biz listeners, you have to go and look at these sites because they are a perfect model of just continuity between sites, Facebook versus Instagram, et cetera, but also cohesiveness with all the pictures that are there. They all have the same feel. They're representing the vibe of the business. But now I've also got myself onto a tangent because I still want to stay back for a second about this whole hashtag program because my guess is that at the time, the companies knew you're needing to get your name out there, visibility and all of that. So in terms of the quality of images, you just want to spread the word, get people participating. And it's coming to my mind that that could be a really interesting thing for some of our listeners to do. Absolutely. They don't have a brand necessarily that's international, but even locally, if you put together a hashtag, if business listeners, I'm talking to you guys, a hashtag and prompted people to start taking pictures when they're in your shop or when they're wearing your necklaces or what's your favorite scoop of yeah. ice cream, <laughs> whatever your product is, you could replicate exactly the strategy that Bree's talking about in your own industry. So that's like a great tip right there, Brie. We're done. <laughs> Thanks for showing up today. <laughs> 100%. No. It could be as simple as sending out a discount code card, use this hashtag and receive a 15% discount off your next purchase. There's a hundred ways to do it. I'm certain that everybody out there can find a different way to apply it to their own business model. Sure. You could even put it on the bottom of your sales receipts. If you're a shop and you have the paper receipts, tons of different things on the bottom of emails or newsletter, just a whole bunch of things. But so let's move on. So then you actively went out and started looking for other people's photos. Right. What were the qualities? How did you do a little mini report card on the photos to decide which ones you wanted to reach out to in terms of the photographers? What were you looking for? At first, Sue, it was very blind. I honestly didn't really know what I was looking for. I just knew that I needed to find photographers that had some sort of general understanding of photography that and that they aligned well with the brand. And so for us, I started with travel. And I did that because Jake, our founder, he brought me to this one account called Art of Visuals. And it's basically a curation account of travel photography. And so in each photo that's posted on that account, there's a different photographer that's tagged. They just curate travel photography that they find all over Instagram and tag the creator of it. So I was right there. I had hundreds of photographers at my fingertips that all took really epic travel photography. And so at first, our whole Instagram was basically just different watches on different wrists. They were very product heavy. It was all watches. And so Jake really wanted to start mixing in a little bit more lifestyle and get people attached to the brand and start building our brand in the direction of adventure, living life on your own terms, inspiring kids to save money on their watch so that they could go 
travel with their friends and enjoy life and explore different places. And so to inspire that, travel photography just made sense. And so I started out from that one account, Art of Visuals, and just started reaching out to every photographer that was tagged on there. And over time, I came to understand who was going to be more expensive, who is going to maybe do it for product trade, maybe what a photographer's account would look like if they were going to submit really good content versus now I know right away if a photographer based on their Instagram account will submit good content or not. But that only came from practice. Sure. And that's why then you started doing creative briefs, right? So you could put out kind of a leveling platform of these are the types of things that we expect to see. These are the qualities we're looking for in our pictures, etc. Well, first, it started, uh, my first briefing kind of came from, here are really simple mistakes not to make. <laughs> and so I wrote out a list of like, okay, we can't promote a woman wearing a men's watch, for example. When you receive your watch, before you start taking pictures of it, there's a little red tab that's holding the battery in place. Take that out. <laughs> there's very little things that you should pay attention to, but you'd be surprised by how many people just miss the mark on very simple mistakes like that. And therefore, their content isn't usable. So in order to save us money and make it so that more content was usable to us, it started out with me just sending out a list of things to avoid on your first shoot. And so that turned into, okay, here's style suggestions that I don't really like that polka dot dress that this girl is wearing. How can I avoid that happening in the future? I'm sending out style guide instructions. If I'm looking for a certain color palette, why don't I just tell them that? Just sending out very simple inspiration. If you're just starting out, a mood board can go a long way. And a mood board can be made on Pinterest. You can make it on this application I use called Google Photos. There's all sorts of ways to kind of just putting 7 to 10 to 20 images together that you like from the internet. Your product doesn't have to be there at all, but just sending out a mood board to somebody that's going to take pictures for you gives them a lot clearer understanding of what you're looking for. And that can go a long way, especially when you're spending money on the photography. Well, and I would even bring that back and circle it around to ourselves. I mean, those of us who are doing our own photography, we see a cool picture and we take it and then we go somewhere else and see a random picture and we take it. But I'm almost thinking we should all have our own mood boards that then represent the brand. And just like you're filtering for other photographers, we should filter for ourselves. Yeah, it also helps you understand your own brand and what you're looking for and what is your aesthetic? Like, what do you like to see? And if you like see a picture that you like, why not save it somewhere and add it to a folder and that you can reference later? Building your aesthetic all starts with building it for yourself. And then from there, you can inspire others to create content that's in line. So talk to us now from the photographer side. Okay, if you were taking these pictures, what do you look for when you're actually setting up? Let's say I'm going to say that I am a owner of a sweet shop. Okay, so I make chocolates in my shop. So now I've got to take some pictures to post on Instagram. How am I going to get the best pictures? What are some secret tips for photography? Before we get into Bree's tips, a word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. I can actually dive into this a lot. And one thing that I did do that I don't think everybody needs to do is I picked up a camera myself. 
in order to understand what I liked about photography and in order to give proper feedback, I picked up a camera and I took a photography class. Just very quick, like online tutorials on YouTube. You can learn a lot about exactly what you're looking for and what to tell the photographer to get more in line with the imagery you're looking for. But a lot of our best photos are taken right on iPhone in natural light with your iPhone. I think the best pictures of products, especially, they're going to be true to color. If you're taking pictures of chocolates, like you obviously are going to need natural light in order to showcase like maybe some of the designs that are in there. Like you don't want it to just look like a brown blob, right? You want to show like what it actually looks like. You can actually find really awesome tiny photo boxes on Amazon for really cheap and create like a little white or black background for your imagery and actually get some solid studio photography that way, just using tools that are available to you right on Amazon and your phone. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that because I don't know that I'd see a lot of people. I mean, let's face it, some of our listeners would never go out and hire a photographer. They're going to be doing it themselves or they're not going to be doing it really probably at all. Right. So talking about from the phone and natural light is perfect. And the other thing is you might have a professional photographer for a certain shoot for brochures and this and that, but not necessarily for everyday regular posting. No, absolutely not. And while we're on the topic, you need to be posting often. And in order to get enough content to post often, like use your iPhone, invest in like, you can go to Home Depot and pick up some marble tiles for very cheap and shoot your chocolates on top of a marble slab. It'll look 10 times better than shooting it on just your average black table or whatever. You know what I mean? You can actually get some great surfaces, nice woods or whatever, just little pieces of it at Home Depot and use that as a backdrop for your photos. And then that's one way to get a lot of your photos looking very cohesive with one another. The idea of actually planning a photo shoot and then reserving your photos to use later is a concept that I think a lot of us don't use. So often we have to post something today, right? So we search frantically to find some type of content. We take that photo and then we just post it so we've gotten something up, which leads to a lot of the ununiformity <laughs> of a site, if you will. I think something else that happens is we get the mentality that we have to post in the moment. Take a picture. We automatically have to put the wording to the post and get it up there right away. The whole concept of planning out your feed with consistent imagery, consistent messages is something that I don't think a lot of us take as much advantage of as we should. Yeah, exactly. I think that a huge thing everyone can do is just have a stock of content that they plan on using. That's another way to get your Instagram page looking cohesive when you can pick and choose. Okay, like I have a lot of green hues going on right now. What picture do I have on deck that I haven't used yet that has some green tones that I can put here? If you're just going moment by moment and post by post, then your Instagram is going to look very discombobulated and like it's not sending the same message. It's going to look like you were thinking about something one day and then Wednesday you were thinking about something entirely different. And so I think just having a stock of images, just taking a full day to just take a bunch of pictures on your phone of different chocolates on different little surfaces will go a long way. You have your arsenal of content that you can use whenever it makes sense. And where's the best place to store these photos so you've got them at the ready? We use Dropbox as our main hub for content, but if you're just using your iPhone, 
I would personally just keep them there since you are Instagramming from your iPhone anyway. And I use a photo editing app called Visco, V-S-C-O, and that's free. And using the same filter on all of your pictures can also go a long way. It can also make them look a lot more cohesive. Rather than using a different filter on every single picture, why don't I put the same filter on every one? And that's one way to make all of your content look the same. If you're going to filter at all, right? Yeah, if you're going to filter at all. And deciding on what you're going to do and then leaving it the same for a while. And then maybe as your feed changes or your business develops, then maybe you take on a different filter. Exactly. Let's say you put out a new collection of beaded necklaces. And if they're all part of the same collection, maybe you want all of them to have the same cohesion with each other, but you want them to look different than the last collection. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes total sense. So Brie, I'm thinking about some of our listeners and the evolution of their business. They'll start out and have one type of a brand look, for example, and they're needing to change. I'm actually going through this right now on my Instagram account. I'm totally switching up the strategy. So you're going to train yeah. me too, I think. But when somebody is making a switch, what do you do when you need to change your look? Okay. So again, everything goes back to the mood board. And so if you want to change your look, start by figuring out what that new look is going to look like. Because if you're just going to plan on figuring it out as you go, then you're going to start looking discombobulated again, and you're going to have to recenter. So always start by deciding, okay, I've looked like this for a while. I want to look like this now. The beautiful thing about outsourcing your photography or doing it yourself is that you can always change who you're working with, the surfaces you're shooting against, maybe the type of camera that you're using. Maybe you want to upgrade from using your iPhone all the time to using a DSLR or like a little Sony or like a nicer camera, whatever. Those changes can easily go a long way in shifting your brand. We went through a little bit of a rebranding on our women's side. And for us, we ended up archiving our entire Instagram account and starting fresh. We centered it around a new collection dropping. And so having a reason to shift your brand is one way to do it. So if you have a new collection coming out, maybe that's a good opportunity to be like, okay, this is a new chapter. This is an opportunity for like a new chapter in my business. I want to kind of shift the way everything looks. Start it out with a new product offering that's different than what you've been putting out before. And so having a reason to do that can go a long way. But like I said, building a new mood board, changing up the technology, or switching around the people that you work with, which can be difficult. For me, it was really difficult for me to have to say goodbye to some of the people I'd been working with for the last couple of years. But unfortunately, like it's just part of the process and working with creatives and they might grow one way and you might grow a different way. It's a business. You always want to be continuing to work with people that are aligned with where you're at and where you're headed. And if that means you have to cut somebody out along the way, that's okay their style was no longer aligning with the new style. Exactly. And we were transitioning from like a very cute, lofty, innocent vibe to a much more edgy, badass, like confident, sexy vibe. And so a lot of my photographers that shot stuff that was very aligned well with our past brand didn't necessarily line up with who we were trying to be. It was a trying time, but at the same time, like it was also easier than I thought. And the photographers that I did have relationships with understood. And just because they're not working with movement anymore, like now they're getting work with Nordstrom and other brands that are aligned with our past brand. They just aren't aligned with us now. And so everybody still wins. 
Question for you about archiving your Instagram account. Does that mean you stopped placing content on the old account and then started up a fresh account? No. So you actually have the ability on Instagram now to archive images. And that means you can put them away so that they aren't visible to people looking at your account, but you can still bring them back if you want to. They're not deleted. So it's a way to remove images from your account without deleting them altogether. Does that make sense? Yes, I had no idea you could do that. How do you do it? Let me go into my app. But basically, you can click on any picture on your account and click those little three dots at the top right. And the first option is archive. Got it. So it's always still there. Someone who's coming in is not going to see it on your feed. Right. And I think this is a beautiful feature because if I go deeper into my feed and I see a picture that doesn't really align with where I'm at now, or maybe I don't like it anymore, I can take it off my account so it's not visible to anybody, but I can still go back to it and look at it if I wanted to or bring it back if I wanted to. That's awesome. I had no idea you could do that. Very good to know. All right. So another question for you on professional photo shoots, because I know you now are going on site with photographers and talent. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners in terms of prep if they were to have someone come into their shop or they were going to take their product out on location? What have you learned from working through that type of thing? I've learned that the more direction you can give ahead of time, the better. Everything is going to turn out. I used to think that I didn't want to be overbearing. I didn't want to stump somebody's creative flow. I didn't want to prevent them from putting out the work that they would have otherwise. And so I used to be very hands off. And I've learned over time that being as hands on as possible is always the answer. A photographer is going to be so much more successful if they know exactly who they're shooting in advance. They know the color scheme of maybe their outfits. They know the lighting of the location. They know what equipment they might need. They know where these images are going to live and what composition you're looking for. If I'm going to shoot content that's for Instagram, I'm going to want all of the compositions to be very square or vertical. I never want wide horizontal images, right? Because those don't really thrive on Instagram. They might thrive on a website banner or have a different place to live. But again, like knowing where these images are going to live is good information for the photographer to know. And having them understand which products they're going to be shooting, which details about those products you're trying to pick up. A mood board, again, always coming back to mood boards, letting them know this is the kind of vibe I'm going for. This all helps them understand what you're going for and helps them deliver the absolute best content possible. So would you also then have a sheet of the bare minimum, like poses isn't the right word, but you know, the layout? A shot list. A shot list. Yeah. So in some cases, yes. In some cases, I'll have a shot list. I'll be like, okay, I want three to five images that are completely product focused, no face, no body, whatever. I want three to five additional images that are product focused, but they maybe they get a little bit more of the outfit involved. And then I want three to five images that are pure lifestyle. The model is just kind of having fun hands in the air while we're driving the car or whatever. And then maybe I want three to five scenic images that are just of the environment that we're in. Maybe we're driving up the coast of Malibu. I want a picture that's just of the road, that's just of the car, maybe just of the beach. And those are images that I can sprinkle in to add vibe to the Instagram as a whole. So it's not all product focused. And then you're walking away from a photo shoot knowing there's probably so many more pictures over and above that, but you're knowing at least you've gotten out of it what you needed to for sure. 
Exactly. That's really important. What is movement's position in terms of live video, Instagram stories and all of that for the business? Are you guys diving into any of that? Facebook Live is something we've tried our hands in a few times. It's definitely the future, but it's also a platform and thing that I don't think anybody's really totally figured out yet. Same with Instagram stories. We all know it helps and gets a lot of engagement, but there's not a cookie cutter answer to what works and what doesn't. I think that in all cases, as long as you're providing content that's valuable to the user, then you're doing the right thing and you're attaching people to your brand. If you're just getting on live and you don't really have something valuable to talk about or you're just planning on talking about the product for 20 minutes, it may not be as engaging as you hope. I always think that if you can kind of add value somehow, I think that's the answer. So for us with Facebook Live, I hosted one. We wanted to show off our strap boxes for the holidays. And so instead of just filming us going through the strap boxes on our own, which would have been kind of boring, we brought in a model, Kira Santoro, to the office and we opened it up with this silly dance and all of the employees were part of this little <laughs> dance thing. And then we had Kira Santoro ask us questions about the strap boxes. And that allowed us the opportunity to go through the strap boxes while we had an engaged audience. And it added some extra layers to the Facebook Live that made it more fun. We did a different one that was for our new sunglasses. And we wanted to just go through what those looked like instead of us just doing that. We centered it around the holidays again, and me and Spencer, Stumbob, we didn't just walk through the glasses. What we did is we pretended like we were on a game show type thing, and we called up each individual employee and had them pick out a different sunglass that they thought that, that they would look good in, and me and Spencer would go over kind of the details and why it would look good on them, and we obviously had planned out each employee picking a different sunglass in advance, but again, like... <laughs> It would just added like an extra layer of fun and engagement to the Facebook Live. So it was a little bit more interesting. Yeah, you know, I love hearing that because when you look at your feed, everything is so perfect, so in line, so beautiful. You can spend hours just looking through all of the beautiful photography, life scenes, you know, all of that. But I love that you're complementing that with live that's the fun side behind the scenes, things that are fun and interesting and happy and joyful aligns with the brand, but it's really super personable too. Yeah, I think it's necessary. And we get a lot of good feedback from people that are just so excited to see what's going on behind the scenes and get to know who's behind the brand. What is that lifestyle like? What are you guys eating for lunch? Oddly enough, fans love that especially when your brand is becoming more well-known. People want to know what's going on behind the scenes. And it doesn't have to be like super interesting Facebook Live. A lot of people just want to know what's going on in the day-to-day, naturally. It's so crazy that people want to know that. I know. I know it to be true. And I want to see other people's behind the scenes. But for me, it's yeah. like, who cares? You know? <laughs> You'd be surprised. It's so crazy. <laughs> but it's true. But yeah, as far as Instagram stories, we try to put up a few each week. Those are a lot harder because they live and die so quickly. But there's so much you can do with Instagram stories to bring you back to your product. I feel like everyone can take advantage of them in different ways. We use those to talk about new collections, to get behind the scenes of photo shoots, to do little giveaways with people on the streets of L.A., 
there's so many different things going like that's a perfect place to display what's going on behind the scenes of your business if you're a baker and you sell cupcakes people want to know what's going on in the kitchen what mistakes are people making what goes into this beautiful frosting display and like how do you decide what the sprinkles are going to be shaped like and all kinds of stuff (laughs) there's so much you can do with that That's so true. And that's why I think all of this in terms of pictures and live everything, our creators, our listeners here, you guys have so much content. You're just not thinking that way. Bree, you've helped us look at different options and things to think about. As we start to wind down here, if you were talking to someone who's just starting out with their business, okay, or somebody who really hasn't had a social media presence, because believe it or not, there are still some people who are just now getting on to social media for their business, I mean, what would be the first steps that you would suggest to them? For somebody just starting out, I would really just start with the mood board. I think that everything comes back to that. What is your business about? What does it look like? What colors do you like to see? Is it minimal? Is it busy? Just going through Pinterest and seeing what other companies are doing, seeing what kind of aesthetic your competitors are putting out so that you can set yourself apart from those people, I think is always a good place to start. And pulling images that you do like, putting them into just one consolidated place can go a long way for yourself so that you can figure out where you want to go, what you want your aesthetic to look like, how you want it to line up with the product. And from there, like I said, go to Home Depot, pick up a slab of wood and start taking pictures on your iPhone and see what you can do. There's not really any mistake you can make because like we've talked about, you can always change your aesthetic. And so just starting, just getting started with some very simple photography that you take yourself on your phone can go a long way. Just start posting, start hashtagging and start getting your name out there. And then from there, I would incentivize your customers to get content for you. And they have a reason to post if that means a discount on their next purchase or whatever. That's all content that you can then repost on your own account. Beautiful. Okay, so the three points, just to summarize what Brie was saying, is first a mood board. You know, it all starts with how do you define the vibe of your business and what visually does it look like? I also really liked what you were saying, Brie, about see what your competitors are doing and then make yours look different. You don't want to fight for that visual. Yeah. Well, it's also good to get your gears turning and like maybe it sparks an idea that you have. Mm -hmm. And I also think that mood board also has to take into account who your customer is. So, you know, if your customer is not edgy, like Brie talks about how movement shifted in terms of what their imagery was going to look like, you may have to make sure that it aligns with your customer too. And then your second thing was props, which this goes into the whole thing that I know I'm going to try and get better at is having my content library ready and available to tap into. So like you're saying, go to Home Depot, go wherever, get some, I don't know, background display props or however you want to say that and just start taking pictures whether you know or not what you're going to do with them yet so you can start building up a supply. And then customer content, that's a gold mine. I'm going to start doing that too. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be useful to everyone. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Brie, at this point, I would like to offer you to Dare to Dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your dream or your goal of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? For me, my answer isn't really physical. 
My ultimate goal or what I really want in life is endless opportunities to work on cool projects with people that are like myself. I don't really have specifics on what those projects would look like. I just want them to challenge what I know, introduce me to people I haven't met, take me places that maybe I haven't been, and hopefully have a positive impact on the world. If all of my future projects could kind of fit those specs, then I think I'd be happy. And that's really what I'm after. I love that. But you know what? I really thought you were going to say a puppy. <laughs> and a puppy. <laughs> and a puppy. And its name is going to be... Manchego. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Bree! Thank you so much for joining me today. You helped us understand what we can be doing different and how we can make our visual presence better. Awesome. For that, I so appreciate it. And thanks again for joining in with me today. Thank you, Sue. This episode is all wrapped up, but fortunately, your gift biz journey continues. Are you eager to learn more? Our gift biz gal has a free download just for you. Head over to giftbizunwrapped.com slash 12 steps to get your copy of the 12 steps to starting a profitable gift biz. Don't delay. Head over to giftbizunwrapped.com slash 12 steps today. And until next time, happy business crafting.